Thank you for joining us for Under the Water Tower, a ministry of Fellowship Baptist Church located under the city water tower on Mormon Mill Road in beautiful Marble Falls, Texas. We don't just love the Bible. We love talking about the Bible. I'm talking about how the Bible informs our life in this world. Recording here in the uh, classroom space of Fellowship Baptist Church with me are... Joni Wallach. <laughs> Somebody's here with me. Misty Grimm. Joe Fishback. We were laughing through that whole <laughs> intro because of, I guess, me, something I did. I'm Jamie. Uh, it's good to have you guys with us. What, what were we laughing at? I could see you laughing. <laughs> It's because you always do those exercises with your face before we start. So Misty was also doing face exercises. Oh, well, it's not just the face exercise, the voice. So it's the, you know, white mice might bite despite their the fright. Rain in Spain stays mainly on the plain. And where does that rain stay? Well, for a little bit. <laughs> um, he thrust his fist against the post and still insists he sees the ghost. You can't even make this stuff up. If you haven't turned us off yet, continue. We'll get there in a minute. <laughs> the most offensive one is 20 dwarves took turns doing handstands on the carpets. Ooh. Was the old man snoring? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, back to back to what we're doing here. What are we doing? It's good here? to we we are well, we're all kind of in this uh, mode today. We are Two less than two weeks away from Easter, which is like for us the Super Bowl. And so, we're, so we're really, we're really, except on, on, on for our Super Bowl, no one loses, and the halftime show ain't lame. Uh, so we're gonna have, we're just really, we've all been working on morning on Easter stuff and how we're gonna do it, what's it gonna look like, getting ready for it. Um, so we're all kind of jazzed about that. So we're we're transitioning to our weird Moses story for the day. Um, it's it's kind of a weird one. It, to me, uh, this one is not weird because of Moses. This one's weird because of what the Lord's doing. Mm-hmm. And I had oh they on cue both of them went. Oh sorry. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. We share more than an office. Cue. We also share yeah. a brain. Yeah. <laughs> Who gets it tomorrow? Well, <laughs> Joni. So if you are following along in your scriptures, uh, we are in the book of Numbers, chapter 14. Um, hi, wanna, Greg. Hi, <laughs> and Kelly. I, I want to follow that this is, um, context, of course, is, is king when it comes to interpreting the scriptures, uh, hermeneutics. This is what happens right after the spies get back. So, you know, you've come into the land and um, they have uh, crossed there and they they send the spies into the promised land. It's God's idea. They come back and they say, yeah, it's great. They got nice houses and big old watermelons and steaks as big as your head. Grapes. Grapes, like you wouldn't believe. And yeah, the milk is primo, promised land milk. The honey is... Double homogenized. Double homogenized. <laughs> Whatever homogenized means, I mean, just sounded cool. <laughs> Double homogenized milk, just super duper honey that's so sweet. Big old fig. It's just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful land. But the people will kill us, so we can't take it because they're so big and so strong. 
They even brought back some of the fruit. Hey, check out this fruit that we can't have. <laughs> we brought back samples of stuff Teaser. that's no longer available. <laughs> you don't have a membership card to this store. Uh, you have to you have to create a portal to get access to this with a new password. But I I can never remember all my passwords. It's crazy. I have. I'm not going to say that. Do you use your computer to automatically do it? I have a list. (laughs) If somebody finds it, they Mm -hmm. can have everything to my life. Me too. Open sesame. (laughs) (laughs) I know what I'm looking for next week. (laughs) You're you're leaving uh, on a little vacay next month. We'll be ransacking your office for that list. Mm -hmm. Um, Our text, though, here falls right after that. And it's the some serious whining and complaining. So Numbers 14, I'm going to read 1 all the way through verse 20. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, Let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, The land which we passed through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, He will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then all the congregation said to stone them with stones. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of the meeting to all the people of Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will this people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me, in spite of all the signs that I have done among them? I will strike them with the pestilence and disinherit them. And I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. But Moses said to the Lord, Then the Egyptians will hear of it, for you brought up this people in your might from among them. And they will tell the inhabitants of this land. They have heard that you, O Lord, are in the midst of this people. For you, O Lord, are seen face to face, and your cloud stands over them. And you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day, and a pillar of fire by night. Now, if you killed this people as one man, then the nations who have heard your fame will say, It is because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land that he swore to give them, that he has killed them in the wilderness." And now, please, let the power of the Lord be great, as you have promised, saying, The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression. But He will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children 
to the third and the fourth generation. Please pardon the iniquity of this people. According to the greatness of your steadfast love, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. Dun, dun, dun. Joni, what do you think about this passage? <laughs> <laughs> so here, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, first of all, um, Aaron is making some better choices now um, because it's Aaron and Moses. There's the teacher in you. Aaron's making better, better choices. choices. Yes. The people have rebelled terribly. The whole thing's <laughs> fallen the pot. And you go, but Aaron has learned to make better <laughs> choices. choices. But where is Miriam? That's also what I'm thinking. Mm. But, Miriam. you know, um, <laughs> but it also doesn't, like, Joshua and Caleb are like, hey, this land is, like, we can do this. Like, this is good stuff. So uh, it's, again, the the rule by the by the people, not about you. So you like Joshua and you like Caleb? Well, yeah. And you like Aaron now? Uh, Aaron, I think, could go to a dark place pretty quick. <laughs> According to the congregation and what they, you know, <laughs> how but they're feeling. he's actually supporting Moses, which I, I think is a, a good move on his part. He, yeah, but he's still been stripped of all power because he falls with Moses on his face, but God still just talks to Moses. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. That's fascinating. It is. But to me, like, looking at Aaron's character before, I would have thought Aaron would have been with the people like, oh, y'all want a new leader? Hey, I'll take you back to Egypt. Like, it'll be fun. Come on. (laughs) So the people are mad. Why are they mad? You know, I I feel like this is one of those passages, at least for myself, historically, where we look at the Israelites and you think, these silly, shallow, forgetful people. Why can't they just remember all the things that God has already done? And even mm-hmm. Moses, or God, is saying there are all the things I've shown them. But I'm old enough now uh, to know that how quickly we forget when God brings us through something. And I, th- I think, I don't know if it's because we're wanting uh, to get to a place of where there are never any problems, which is not going to happen, um, or, or, or what the whole point of it, and we can get into that later, um, but... I can relate in some regards to them. It's, you know, they've been through some stuff mm-hmm. and they've seen God do some good stuff, but it's just like, oh, we got to go through more stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I, I kind of sympathize with them a little. And I know that I've got that in me that when do we get a break? And I know technically they're supposed to be going to the promised land and you feel like, oh, you're so close, just one more mm-hmm. hurdle or whatever. But um, I'm, I tend to be a little bit more empathetic with them than maybe in my younger years. Well, and two, you know, there's, of course, they've been rebellious through this whole entire thing, and I think you're right, is because of of that. And you always hear that, you know, that Facebook meme or whatever, those quotes that say, you know, right when you think you can't take another thing is when God comes through. So stay strong, stay in the faith. Which doesn't that make God seem really mean? Like, yeah. like, uh, <laughs> like he's doing this on purpose to see how you almost had it. You? you almost had it. But you know, I think the Israelites—they're in mourning. You know, they're they're in mourning for the things they had and for their comfort and for where they they were that they think they want to go back to. You know, and they're they're wanting a new leader. They're they're wanting to choose their own leader and say that their way is better than God's way. You know, and. Um, 
you know, I think that's almost we. You mentioned the hang on. Why couldn't you hang on a little bit longer? I almost feel sometimes like it's God is waiting us out until we finally let go. Right. Because I think if you say let go and let God, no, I'm going to no, come no, across no, this no. table no. after you. <laughs> I was thinking let it go. I, I'm just let thinking of go. control and, okay, Elsa. and trust here. Um, I heard, I heard a punk rock version of that yesterday. Ooh. Sorry, when you said that, that popped in my head. Cool. It, was, it was pretty good. Um, where was I? <laughs> that I rabbit know. brought to you by <laughs> Disney, Internet. Disney Plus. Um, but but it's this is maybe like their last act of control is like forget this. I can't hang on. I can't mm-hmm. I can't wait. And it's really the waiting part. I can't yeah. wait any longer. So I'd rather go back to Rock. Egypt and be in slavery mm-hmm. and have things my way than have to Trust God. And they're ang- yeah, they're one, angry. One step more. Yeah. They're angry, but to me, the go back part, the, the mm-hmm. two parts that they're angry, the, the go back part, and then also the aspect of get a new leader. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are the two things. Scapegoat. The, the go back. Mm-hmm. We want to go back to the way things were. That resonates with me because we're in the middle of this COVID business mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I keep wanting over and over in my own mind is I just want to go back. Mm-hmm. I just want to go back to the way it was. And, and um, of course, big discussions, and we're not, unless we want to today, don't have to talk about that. But, you know, how much will things ever be back the way they were? And that's one of the things I think the Israelites have realized. Mm-hmm. They're saying they want to go back because that is not as terrifying as facing this future going that's going to be different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know, going back is different too. You always think if I could just go back to that specific time in my life, but even if you could go back to that time, things aren't going to be, knowing what you know now, things aren't going to be the same. It's well, not, and we're, we make ourselves believe that it's everything would be the same, and in reality, it wouldn't be. And nostalgia is, is, is a liar, because we tend to remember things... Yes. Sometimes, if we're wanting to go back, we only remember the good the things. The good stuff, right. But in those times in the back, we were probably doing the same things, griping about our circumstances yeah. and when situations. when are we going to get out of this? I hate is, it here. This which is, is why horrible. the ability to forget hard things is why uh, people have more than one child. Because mm-hmm. mm. <laughs> if we remembered, we truth. would just have one. One kid. <laughs> Everybody would have one Glad kid. Glad I got that over with, yeah. you know. <laughs> Never uh, again. Um. I totally lost what I was thinking, but... Um, go back, go back. Go back, go back, go back, go back. Um, so I also think, like, we're reading this, but we know the end of the story. Yeah. You know, it's like when you go into a movie and you see the end of the movie before, like, you see the end of it before you watch the whole movie. You're not watching movies right. Apparently. <laughs> and, but, you know, you see, like, we know the end. We know how this is going to turn out. So I think... You know, they're in the middle of their storm, and it's, you know, when you look at someone that's in the middle of their storm, it looks completely different from the outside than it does from when you're inside that storm. Mm -hmm. Um, They may not have even realized that they were in the middle of their storms. Well, they blame the storm on God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Verse 3 is, to me, shocking. Um, They say, uh, I'm loosely quoting here, why? Yeah. Why is it that the Lord brought us out here just to kill, kill us, us by the sword? Like right. he's like he's plotting. The Lord's to been kill setting us up. I'm going to save them from Pharaoh. I'm going to yeah. bring them through the Red Sea. <laughs> I'm going to feed them with manna. I'm going to give them some quail. Yep. And then right when they're about ready to have victory, that's when I'm going to kill all of them. Yep. Uh, th- so they're mm-hmm. accusing God of this great, big, nefarious plot mm-hmm. against them. Yeah, right. Which I think it might be the reason why some people feel like. 
if you're not following God, then God punishes you for that. Like bad things happen to people that um, don't follow God, which they do, but like that. Bad things also happen to people who do follow God. Bad things also, you know, the rain uh, falls on the just and the unjust. It also stays mainly on the plane. <laughs> it, it does. Spain. But, <laughs> but wow. you know, is this where full that... Circle. Full circle, thank you. Is this where, where that comes from? Where, um, like, they felt like their, like, diseases, those are from being unfaithful or from sin. Um, is this where that starts? Has that always been? Um, well... Just for frustration. Mm-hmm. They're uh, just, they're angry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of times when we're angry at God, we don't have a right to be angry at God. You know, people always say, well, tell God your feelings and tell him you're angry and let him know how you really feel, which I think you have to be honest with him, you know, when, when doing that with your feelings. But you can't blame him. He doesn't do anything, like we said earlier, out to just, you know, make you miserable and make you mad and angry. So, you know, you're angry at God when you are in your own sin. And I think that's where that's where the Israelites are at. R- Richard Rohr talks about growth taking people through. We start out in some form of, and even just human development, order. And then we move into disorder. And then the goal is to move into a form of reorder. Um, and I think a lot of what's happening here is they had order. Their order was being a slave. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was their structure. They were pulled out of that into what feels like nothing but disorder. Mm-hmm. And they're in that liminal space between disorder and reorder. And to them, I mean, or, uh, order and reorder, to them, it makes more sense to go back to what they knew as right. order because they don't, they're not yet in the, mm-hmm. in the reorder. And it's in that disorder where you can grow and mm-hmm. stretch or where you can become bitter and cynical mm-hmm. and judgmental and they're making a lot of assumptions here mm-hmm. just based on how they feel right on on the cir- circumstances yeah mm-hmm. and we always have a choice you know people say well i'm stuck here this is where i'm no you always have a choice you know move forward you know ultimately if you're moving backwards accepted you're, or yeah it's just change so. it. well mm-hmm. their their choice is what what choice do they make misty well, they don't make good ones <laughs> up until this point. Aaron made a good choice. He's Aaron. behaving better. Aaron, yeah, according to Joe. Aaron is no longer <laughs> the in time But the rest of the class. <laughs> Aaron gets to go to recess. Yeah. Everybody else, not it's so in much. rubble. But, yeah. They choose, choose to what? Yeah. They choose to rebel. Mob mentality. They yeah. want to kill Moses. Get rid of him. And start all over start with a fresh, new leader. Because they think it's going to be better. Uh, do, better. You, do you guys read it here, and, and this is completely reading into the text because it's not uh, evident. Do you read in that there's a faction of people saying, I want to be the new leader? Yeah, let's kill Moses. Mm. I'd like to be the guy. Perhaps. Maybe. I can't imagine Perhaps. this coming from like a, a spontaneous decision. Right. I don't really believe no. in spontaneous decisions. Yeah. Someone is pushing this crowd mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with push poles, right? Yeah. right? Public opinion is that mm-hmm. Moses should be stoned and uh, Ehad over here should be the new leader. Or Aaron. Aaron's a pushover. We've established this. So Ooh, we can control Aaron. Aaron can be controlled. Maybe we want Aaron. Mm-hmm. Where is Miriam? <laughs> Still worried about that. <laughs> She's not dead yet. Uh, she doesn't die. She's not mentioned at all. <clears throat> Let's see. Miriam dies. Maybe they want Miriam. I got to find Miriam. Miriam. You want Miriam? Miriam. 
But and then why are we going back to Egypt? Like there are lots of other places we can go. Nope, mm-hmm. let's go back where we were slaves and it was horrible. Like no. What does Egypt stand for for us? Mm-hmm. Bondage. Bondage. To the world. The world, the old way of living. I, I, Wild- I wilderness. Yeah. When I was reading through this, I kept thinking about the the parallel between Paul's idea that once you've come into the freedom of Christ, why would you ever go back to the law? Mm-hmm. And I think uh, in some respects, Egypt represents that in our life of going mm-hmm. back to a world before Christ. And the fascinating thing is I know so many people who are Christ followers or proclaim to be Christ followers who live their life as if Egypt was the governing aspect of who they are. Mm-hmm. So they're still living by Pharaoh's rules, even though they're actually not in Egypt anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, it'd be weird if <laughs> here they are uh, moving toward the promised land, and some people wake up every morning and say, well, I'm going out to the fields to uh, make brick. Sure. Right. Yeah. You know, that, that, that's kind yeah. of the going back to the way it used to be. Mm-hmm. So Egypt is a huge metaphor, I think, for our lives in terms of going back mm-hmm. to the way we used to be. Well, and they're they're totally discounting the fact that if they were actually to go back to Egypt, that they're going to just be welcomed back into their role without some extra <laughs> right, punishment. God, right. <laughs> the last time Pharaoh's going to be, oh, come on in, just come take on. your take your homes and go back in. We'll just yeah. clock back in. We'll give you a week off to return, and then next Monday mm-hmm. hit, hit the hit the. Because you're not wrong. The last time <clears throat> they saw Egyptians, they were floating face down in the Red Sea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Hmm. And moving forward is hard. Stepping out of your comfort zone and doing things that you don't feel like you're equipped or called to do, which we're not, you know, without the Lord's guidance and with him, you know, working through us, we're not capable of doing any of that on our own. And so it is scary moving forward into, un, you know, chartered territory. But it's it's also exciting, too, you know. So when Moses and Aaron fall on their face here in this first part of the, the narrative, um. I can't figure out, are they falling on their face in front of the people? Mm-hmm. Like, don't do this. Or are they already falling on their face before God? Like, oh, no, we know what you just said, yeah. and we know how God's going to respond. I think it's both. I think they were just humbled, like, hey, God, that's that's them, and that's not us making this. Like, So for you, they're on their face, so they're out of the line of fire. Yeah, like... <laughs> Not me, I not think me. it was more exasperation. There's, oh, not again. Here we go. <laughs> well, that's Joshua, right? Tearing of your clothes is exasperation. That wasn't because they were hot or they were trying to, you know, uh, Hebrews gone wild. That, that they're they're tearing their clothes because they're exasperated with and just so um, offended by what yes. the people have done. Uh, that's what they're doing. Yeah. But Moses and Aaron don't have that offended. They're on their face, mm-hmm. which is a Hebrew posture of prayer. Mm-hmm. And you think Moses went down first and Aaron's like, which way am I going to go? Which way? Okay. <laughs> you know, maybe some of the stuff Aaron's been through is helping him prepare for this very moment. Mm-hmm. He knows how to respond in right. this moment. Um, he's yep. a good student. Mm-hmm. May not be the best the smartest student, but he means a good student. Well, and if you think Moses had a lot of his 40 years in the wilderness before he came back to Egypt, and that's really when Aaron kind of started his schooling, if you will. 
and and so he w- there was a little bit of a, a lag in in maybe where he was and maybe he's catching up mm-hmm. perhaps mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. it is a good lesson that we're not all on the same paths mm-hmm. like we all have a personal relationship with christ like it's not i can't judge my relationship with god based on what someone else is getting or you know what i mean mm-hmm. like i can't judge my relationship based on somebody else's relationship. Yeah. There's not like this Facebook of God, like, oh, let me compare, Oh, It's look. not cookie cutter. Yeah. Well, I think that's true, but at the same time, I think I can still see when someone else is doing what these Hebrews are doing, mm-hmm. yeah. they are deciding to settle for less than what God has yes. for them. God has this over here, mm-hmm. which is yeah. great, promised land. It's going to take some work to get there, going to take some trust to get there, may take a little time to get there, but that's what, what God has for you. But you're willing to go back and settle mm-hmm. for less. You're willing to go back mm-hmm. the way it was for comfort level. But you can't do it for people. You no. Know, you can't no. do it for them. But and I can spot it. You, yeah. yeah. And you can see it. And you just so badly just, you know, but yeah, you can't do it for them. And you're not supposed to be able to do it for them. That's, that's between them and the Lord. That's why it's oh, personal. Yeah. Yes. That sound you just heard was Misty's papers <laughs> flying all over the place over there. She's talking with more. her hand. She's got more papers. <laughs> <laughs> so Joshua and Caleb um, give... Now, what's their what's their deal? Why are they different? They're different because 12 went in, 2 came out and said, uh, like, it's bad, but I think, like, this is this is our land. Like, this is what... Let's, let's go do it. So what does this tell us about majority rule? Hmm. It's not always right. Mm-hmm. What does the majority here, the majority of spies say? Say. We should not go. We should not no. go. And then the majority of the people say, kill Moses, elect new leadership, and go back mm-hmm. to Egypt. Mm-hmm. What does this inform us about majority rule in the kingdom of God? Mm-hmm. To not to. Said the Baptist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how, how do most Baptists do spiritual majority things? Majority rule. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that good? Mm-hmm. I, uh, man, I think it can be. I mean, because the majority very well could have been in tune with God and come back and said, yes, we should do this. Give me an example when the majority in Scripture is in tune with God. Was it when they took up stones to, cru- to, to stone Jesus? Or took up stones and stoned Stephen? Hmm. Was it when they said, give us a king like all the other nations and chose well, Saul? There's definitely plenty of examples of them not doing it that way. I'm, I'm, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, if you're, I don't know where you're going with that as far <laughs> as trying to, to say we shouldn't use that as a, as a methodology. I don't, I don't know. I'm asking you. You've been around Baptist life for a long time. In in scripture, I mean, you're rattling off, and there seems to be example after example of poor majority decisions. <laughs> <laughs> and I've seen it in churches as well. I've seen it played out the same way. Um, I've literally um, been on staff at a place where um, the leadership were in agreement during a meeting about something, and then during a congregational business meeting did the old, instead of someone stepping forward, the majority stepped backwards <laughs> and left left the one hanging, and uh, that was the end of it for them uh, there. And it's... Um, and I'm, the, I, I'm, and, really, and I'm, it was, I'm really sorry I did that to you, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
He's talking about last week, by the way. <laughs> and it was it was young in my ministry, and it was um, very eye opening to me of how context and culture, how naive I was about well, we're we're all here to do God's work. Mm-hmm. We're all here to no, we're here to make sure the boat get doesn't get too rocked in mm-hmm. our community. And I was like, oh. And that majority, that same majority that rules, they're the they're the quickest to turn on you. You know, whenever. and ironically, it wasn't. It was the the majority was swayed more so than it was. I think John uh, Maxwell calls them bell cows. Mm-hmm. They're the cow that wears the bell that rings the loudest. That the people during the business meetings they turn and look. Mm-hmm. How is that person voting? Right. Okay, that's how I'll vote. Mm-hmm. Well, we're supposed to stand out and stand apart. That's what Scripture tells us to do: to not go with the crowd and go with the flow, but to stand apart. Right. So I, I want to clarify some of the, the the language. So I am a Baptist, which means I believe in free church. I don't want any person dictating terms. But the problem we make is we baptize majority rule as if majority rule is always God's will. Right. Yes. The, the a church, if it's going to to make decisions, must seek God's will earnestly and openly when it makes its decisions. Um, that's the key. It's mm-hmm. not. It's not. Um, who does it? Because uh, one person who's uh, in charge can make a really bad decision too. Mm-hmm. It's not who does it; it's how are they seeking God's will, mm-hmm. and uh, and who are you doing it for? You know, that's true. Who are you doing it for? And oftentimes, the majority rule is what you're talking about, Daryl. It's for the not rocking the boat right. or keeping things peaceful and calm. So we make those decisions based upon what we want. And then when the majority rules, we say it's God's, God's will. will yeah. And I'm not certain that those are the same thing. That's mm-hmm. my point. Yeah. I'm not against majority rule. I'm right. saying just because you have a vote and the, the majority of people vote one way does not mean that's God's, God's will because yeah. the majority can very clearly be against what God wants. Mm-hmm. And I've, That's my point. I've mm-hmm. seen uh, another example. Um, I wasn't there firsthand. Um, but where a, a core group from a church was excited about moving in a new direction with some things. Lots of felt, and it rightly so, looked like God was moving them. And then um, some people from just kind of visitors showed up but plugged in real quickly and had a very cynical angle and, and literally shut the whole thing down because of this one couple and the things that they say, it kind of poisoned the whole water. And I don't know what it would be like to truly be an Israelite going through what they went through in this situation and not have been afraid right. and, and, and scared of, and how easily I could have been tempted into, if there was a voice that loud enough talked about, you know, if we went back to Egypt, it would be a lot safer, it would make mm-hmm. more sense. Mm-hmm. I can see the humanity in this of, of how easily a group like that could be swayed. Right. Um, and that's kind of what Joni was talking about earlier, is, you know, you don't see it until you're outside of it, and you can't... People can say, you know, I, well, I would never do that. Or if I was you, mm-hmm. this is what I would do. But it, until you walked in those shoes or had that experience, you have no idea what you would do. And that's, I think, where, you know, your compassion has to come in in, in situations like that. And that's going to give us where Moses is at, because on the backside of this, he has nothing but compassion mm-hmm. for the people. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. uh, and pleads for 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 mm-hmm. God to pardon them. We'll get to that. We're still not. We're still unpacking this early stuff. <laughs> this is. It's, Welcome to hour one of the seven-hour special <laughs> podcast Stay of tuned. Under the Water Tower. <laughs> Ooh, we could take do you that. The next month of commute. We could do. We could split it up into two and it'd make our podcast last longer. <laughs> <laughs> always thinking, Missy. He's always thinking. Stretching it out. <laughs> Let's vote on that. Speaking of majority rule, it's, it's, it's the we'll just come here and turn everything on and talk about stuff every week on Monday. We won't record anything, but we'll just do it for Misty. Yeah. We'll let Misty so know she thinks yeah. that we're doing the podcast. <laughs> it's it's like the Truman Show. It's yes. the Misty Show. <laughs> Show. Isn't that the best movie? You know, what I hate about that that I saw a preview for it uh, See, before I ever you, saw you it. You knew the ending before, and I knew before <laughs> I ever watched it that it was a setup. But if you go watch the Truman Show again, you as the viewer of the movie are not aware it's a setup really until the light falls. Yeah, that's the, you, but because everyone now knows what that is, we we start from the beginning in on the joke. Or in on the gag, but if you don't know that, you're you're wondering what's really you know something's not right, but mm-hmm. you quite then you know. Mm-hmm. That's like this. That's the same thing. Like you know at the ending, you know already mm-hmm. what's supposed to happen. Well, and think about Netflix and and some of these uh, online apps now. They're they're able to write a whole series at one time, whereas yeah. back in the day we'd have to wait it's each week. Right. And so you got say a six or eight part series, <laughs> and what? My, my computer. So, speaking yes. of Netflix and all that, the so they write this whole eight-part <clears throat> series, and they know the end of the series, and then they work. You know, they can work backwards. Mm-hmm. As you, the viewer, some of these shows, like say it's a crime show, each episode you're convinced it's a different person because right. they set you up yeah. that way until you get to the end, you're and like, you're like, well, oh. I've been wrong the whole time. Yeah. Well, that's but that's that's not new. That's um, well, but, Agatha Christie invented that well, with the yes. closed door thing where it's. You know, she was once asked, you know, how do you do that? She goes, well, I write the ending first. Yeah. So I know how, I know that Mm -hmm. she had to have the pencil in her purse at the garden because I wrote it that way at the ending. It just looks to your perspective like that. And so the Israelites are kind of in episode five or six here, (laughs) and and they're just really confused about what's going on. Episode six. Of course, I'm just glad this wasn't, uh, I'm convinced some things are just written by AI now, like Bird Box was written by AI. I'm just convinced of that. That movie was horrible. I can never get those two hours back. So, uh, you you guys want to play fun? Sure. This is fun stuff. So, uh, uh, those of you listening may or may not be aware, on Sunday mornings, we've been talking about the end of the world through this season of Lent, I found... So uplifting. It is very uplifting. Um, <laughs> it, it's just, you know, uh, it's going to end, <laughs> and it's going to hurt. Um, but the two witnesses here, Caleb and Joshua, mm-hmm. where have you heard two witnesses before? You've studied the Bible. I know you have. There's a famous episode in Revelation where two witnesses are seen and they proclaim truth as the whole world is going to <laughs> hell in a handbasket, so <laughs> oh, to speak. Literally. Those two witnesses. Now, oh. in most uh, people's speculation, that's Moses, uh, and, Elijah. Moses and Elijah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, of course, the scripture doesn't really say that. Yeah. Uh, the, the idea is that they're the same who are. But what if it's a Caleb and a Joshua figure? Ooh. Those who are two witnesses against the majority who mm. say the whole world is believing the lies that are being told mm-hmm. here, but we're the ones who are telling you the truth. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and if you'll remember, in that they kill them. Mm-hmm. So they, they come back to life, which mm-hmm. freaks everybody out. <laughs> but they kill them in the book of Revelation. They wanted to kill these two here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And only thing that spares them is that God shows up mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. just in the nick of time. Mm-hmm. I find that parallel amazing, especially when you factor in the Garden of Eden aspects. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that I read studying this, and I really love like Joni's input on this, is the... So they're going into the promised land, which is being built in this chapter previous to this, very much a Garden of Eden-like place. Mm -hmm. It's big houses, it's beautiful, the stuff grows, it's wonderful. We won't have to work very hard. It's great land, it's promised land. So God is taking them back to sort of a garden experience where Mm -hmm. the human race started. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, in the Garden of Eden, there was a lie that was told, you will be like God. They were mm-hmm. told, Adam and Eve were told that you will be, he specifically, you will be like God if you eat this fruit. Here, the lie that is being told is um, not that you you will eat this and die. It's that if you go in and eat it, you will die. Yeah. See, the, the devil told Eve, you can eat this and not die. You'll be mm-hmm. fine. Here is the lie, if we go in to eat it, we will die. Mm-hmm. So it's a great flip on that. Joni, how would you teach that to the youth? Carefully. <laughs> We'd start with a game. <laughs> with glitter and balloons. Now, in this story, your youth pastor is Moses. You do what I tell you. Yeah. <laughs> That's really interesting. Um, I've never thought about it in that same in that same context. What was different, though, was the Canaanites were in there, and they're not good people. Like that Adam and Eve wasn't dealing with the Canaanites and their influences. No, they had the devil. Well. So you bring up an interesting perspective. I had a a, a teacher one time who said, the Israelites get to the land of Canaan, and they're so surprised when they get there because when you get to Canaan, you find Canaanites. (laughs) (laughs) What a shocker. (laughs) What did you think was going to be there? What did you think? I get to Walmart, I see people in pajamas. Same thing. And think, I'm not the only one. In your, in your metaphor, you just made Walmart the promised land. Oh. Well, there is milk and honey there sometimes. <laughs> but it's not double homogenized. It is not double You can't get skim milk, though. So the, Almond milk. So, yeah, I think to me, the, the metaphor for Eden really works because the promised land, right. of course, in the book of Hebrews, spells it out clearly. The promised land is a metaphor in our life for heaven. Mm-hmm. Right? We're going to reach our time of rest mm-hmm. in heaven which is the, the promised land. And Eden, to me, is where God made us to be, and heaven is portrayed in the New Testament as very much a return to the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. It's where the other tree is at. It is where there's you know, the perfection, there's no death. Everything's in harmony together, just like Eden. So it's a return to Eden. Mm-hmm. How much is church like this? Mm-hmm. Crickets. Crickets. I was more thinking. I wanted to say some church services feel like you're sitting through hell. (laughs) Is that too strong? (laughs) Sorry, not ours. Not Not ours. But I just was like, I'm sorry about yesterday. I really am. (laughs) It was too chilly and windy to be. Well, I don't understand the question. Say the question again. I mean, I don't know how you're meaning. Here, I'll let you borrow the brain. Okay. Thanks. (laughs) Okay. So I'm just, I'm just been playing with it. So one of the things is that in the in the language here, in numbers, congregation, the, the, in my translation here, then all the congregation. Mm-hmm. 
This word ehad in Hebrew is translated as ecclesia in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Fellowship. Same word. Well, no, that's no. koinonia. Just mm-hmm. kidding. Ecclesia is the word for church, the congregation. So this is the church meeting. Mm-hmm. And then God shows up to save the pastor and the two witnesses and, mm-hmm. and Aaron by showing up at the congregation in the tent of right. meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just going to tell you, this feels a lot like church can be. I think this is what Daryl's referring to, where there's a rebellion against godly leadership, not bad leadership, because if it's bad leadership, you deal with that. Mm-hmm. But against godly leadership, there's a rebellion against that. And so then they seek to stone the leadership. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's gotcha. what I was coming to is... Why not just vote them out? You know, there's, there's. A, why is that the solution? Let's kill them and end that, them. And that's the new stoning. Right? We don't stone mm-hmm. them anymore. We just vote them out mm-hmm. and um, cut off their mm-hmm. salary and make sure they don't have a means of a living. Um, but even here, why, why kill them in the story? Why, why well, when you have, and this is just, when you have these godly people, you know, upbeat, encouraging, and here they are standing out, standing up for God, and then you have this congregation of just bitter angry mad you know they don't want to hear what these people what the good people have to say the godly people they they just you know instead of joining that side they want to drag them down to their side and so what better way to do that than just get them out you You have to shut up the opposition and you have to intimidate those who may join them absolutely so that's that that's i think and this is a much violent more violent world than we probably well and it was yeah appreciate exactly probably but i also think that uh um it wasn't that long uh, you drag leaders to the street and hang them Mm -hmm. i mean that's that's uh, so what saves Something saves Moses and Aaron and Joshua and Caleb, and it is mm-hmm. the Lord mm-hmm. who shows up. I just want to emphasize this. I believe very much in the Lord, and I believe in God's provision, but my experience tells me He doesn't always show up to protect those who have made the right decision. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, for reasons I don't understand, He chooses not to. This mm-hmm. gets me to the, the three Hebrew children, right? Mm-hmm. They're thrown in the fiery furnace, and mm-hmm. they say, we believe he can save us, but even if he doesn't save us, we are not bowing to your image. Mm-hmm. So this idea, just because you do the right thing, mm-hmm. do not expect it to all work out perfect. Right. Because they still may kill you. Right. They still may fire and you. And just because God you. can't, we know he can, that doesn't necessarily mean he will. They still stoned yeah. Stephen, right? Mm-hmm. Right. They didn't stone Joshua and Caleb, but they did stone right. Stephen. Um, and it doesn't mean God's not capable of it. It means he chooses not to. Right, because yeah. he's working on a different whole perspective mm-hmm. than us. It's because he's seeing it. He's seeing, like, God knows the end, too, mm-hmm. you know? The whole picture. Well, of course he does, but I'm just saying, like, <laughs> he's seeing the whole picture. Right. He's seeing how everything works mm-hmm. works together, the Romans eight twenty eight. So when God starts talking to Moses, can everyone hear that conversation? I think only Moses. What do you think, Misty? I think she's right. I think he's talking to Moses one-on-one because it's that intimate communication, that intimate relationship that they have. I think that's true, that that it's based on their intimate relationship, but I also think it's possible they're at the tent of the meeting in front of everybody. Maybe he's just talking to Moses and Moses is talking to him. They can see it. everybody else can hear it. Okay. So they're like, like maybe, I I don't know how specifically. Like podcasting? 
Because <laughs> maybe is. maybe they can hear Moses answer. Or maybe they can't hear God talking to Moses, but maybe they can hear how Moses is answering. Like a one side of the the telephone. See Moses talking to himself. Yeah. <laughs> or when the Lord talks to wah 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 wah. What's he saying? What's he saying? <laughs> well, they see the. F- isn't it? He, he comes down. I mean, isn't he fire? Yeah. If this is at night, you can. They can. I mean, they can see it blazing because he's angry. Right. I think they can. I really believe that part of this whole process is teaching the whole congregation a lesson. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like they're they're able to hear too. Mm-hmm. I can't prove it, but right. it's kind of my, mm-hmm. well, my take on this. I would be prone to lean that way because give me some leverage here. Is is this God really? saying this or is it kind of some theatrics almost like setting Moses up to have to see how Moses is going to react mm-hmm. will Moses step in mm-hmm. you know is God really ready to strike them all down or is is this a, is this about Moses well what does God say he see I, I you're you're going where I really go with this too the in the end of it here but what is it the Lord says he says that we're gonna here's the thing I'm gonna I'm gonna strike him with a pestilence which is different than just killing them, right? Right. They're gonna hurt. <laughs> I'm gonna first. They're gonna poop gold, they're and then they're. Gonna... <laughs> I'm gonna kill them slowly, and then I'm going to disinherit them. That's different than just killing you. You are no longer my that's adopted so child. That's so hurtful. It is. Like that's. I'm. You're not mine anymore. I'm gonna disinherit you, and I'll just start all over with you. Mm-hmm. Moses. Now that's the moment when Jamie would say, I've never heard a better plan in my whole <laughs> life. I've been with Do these it. people all this Do time. It. They are nothing but a bunch of rabble, complaining, <laughs> stiff necked Hebrews. They, they smell funny. Just if you just could just get rid of them, and I think you've got no better candidate than me. I'm the new Abraham. Mm-hmm. And there, it's not unprecedented. I mean, God is not offering something here he has done in the past. Uh, who's that guy? Noah, mm-hmm. right? God has done this before. Abraham is a start over. Mm-hmm. All of these, he has a precedent for doing this. Um, and how does Moses argue? Moses, there's some clever rhetoric. He starts seeing, I think, the big picture that God wants him to see. He starts seeing consequences beyond just the immediate. Um, you know, then God, if you do that, all of this seems to be wasted. Mm-hmm. And plus, it's going to make it harder because the Egyptians are going to come back and then they're even going to be more stubborn about mm-hmm. who you are because they're going to think it was all a farce. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, he appeals to the Lord's vanity. He, yeah. Well, he knows God's power. He knows God's promise. God had already promised them that land. Oh, one more P, provision. And he his be- power, and his promise, he, and his provision. That'll and preach right that day. He knew. I mean, and so Moses, yeah, he's coming into it, you know, knowing these things already about who God is and what God can do. And, yeah, he, he, he appeals to all those things. But he appeals to God's... God, if you do this, the other nations will say bad, bad things, things about you. Exactly. And worse yet, the Egyptians will gossip to the Canaanites about you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Lord, you don't want that going on. Right. And then he reminds well, you've forgiven them for lesser things. Yeah. Or for, actually, you've forgiven them for worse things. I mean, mm-hmm. this is not nearly as bad as the golden calf. Remember that, right. God? Right. Yeah, he's kind of reminding God I was hoping they instead were gonna, of the other way around. Yeah, I was hoping they were going to have to eat some gold or something Eat some again. gold or something, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you'd eat. Well, he's also 
potentially saying all this out loud in their hearing. Mm. And so in some regards, he's he may be tapping into their emotions of, of their reminding them of what they've been through mm-hmm. as individuals. So yeah. I, that's one of the reasons why I think that people hear this, because this is in the things that get said between God and Moses are really for the benefit of the people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I also feel very much like what Moses doesn't say is important. Mm-hmm. Moses never says they deserve a second chance. Mm. Yeah, He never says that. Mm-hmm. And he never says you made a mistake to begin with by calling them out. Mm-hmm. I might have gone there. I might have said, Lord, maybe you missed. Mm-hmm. Or um, they deserve a second chance. If, if, I'm, if I'm pleading with them or... He doesn't downplay it. Right. What they did wasn't really that bad, God. Right. That's what I would do. Because he knows what they've done is horrible. Yeah. He's, he's not denying that. He's just, his heart is for his people. His heart, he's pleading for well, them because his heart is for them. But mm-hmm. at the same time, he knows well enough to know that it is rooted in who God, God is, is yeah. and God's not in power. who the people are. Right. They don't, don't deserve, deserve it. Yep. Um, yep. To me, that's an important part mm-hmm. of it. Now, Daryl, you're going somewhere. You've been trying to get there twice, and that is this, is God literally, legitimately going to kill them? I mean, is, is, does God say it like that? This is it. I'm done. And Moses then talks him out of it? Right. I mean, you really only have one of two options. Either A, Yahweh was really going to destroy the Hebrews and start all over with Moses, and Moses, by his clever rhetoric and skill and words, is able to convince God to do, to do the right thing, which is the way we pray. Or the Lord was testing Moses to see how he would respond given this particular set of circumstances. I'm who who's on option A and who's on option B. I'm on B because I think of uh, parent and child. I mean, these people. God references us as sheep, sheep who are not very smart, and as children all the time. And as parents, I think sometimes we do that with our kids, where especially our younger kids, where maybe we're engaging with them, but we're kind of leading them somewhere because we want to see which choice they're going to make. And and I just feel like. Um, it just feels more like that's God. I don't see God just throwing his hands up in exasperation saying, I've had enough. I'm just going to start over. I, I see God almost calmly playing this little script out, so to speak, with, with Moses here for the sake of the people and for the sake of Moses. But ultimately, it all brings glory to his ultimate purpose Um as it moves them along towards that. But that's just my take. Mm-hmm. See, I, I, I can see God throwing his hands up and saying, I've had enough, because he did it once before. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can see that. What I can't see is Moses talking him out of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the problem I have a hard time with. Like, mm-hmm. And that's why I entitled this in our little preview sheet, God, have you considered this issue? <laughs> this, mm-hmm. As if the Lord had not considered all oh, avenues yeah. on this. Like, you're going to present something to God yeah. that he hadn't thought of. Oh, God says, I hadn't thought about that. Maybe you're right. Well, Moses brings God's promise Fine. back to him. He lays it back at God at the Lord's feet. You know, everything that God had said before, it's like Moses is reminding him of, of who he is. Like, God doesn't already know who he is, but... That's like, it's, I just had the idea of, like... 
think of the parent-child again, when the, as parents you're exasperated and you say, I'm going to ground you from this, you mm-hmm. know, from your video games for whatever. And then the kid kind of goes, yeah, but if you do that, then you'll have to take care of, you know, they kind of twist it back on right. you and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> that punishment's yeah. going to punish me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was, f- yeah. And that's true. That's true too. You know, as parents, our kids don't pay for our sins. Um, they're not held responsible, like Joni said. We're not respons- held responsible for other people's sins. But and God's gracious like that. But He doesn't expect our kids to keep doing things. You know, the keep sinning those same sins. Oh, you know, He doesn't ju- justify or forgive that either. You know what I mean? You've got to, somewhere in there, you have to break that cycle. The cycle has to be broken. I think the cycle's being broken here, and it's mm-hmm. being broken, and it's also, this is when Moses becomes, to me, not, not, it's not the Ten Commandments. It's not the burning bush. This is the moment when Moses becomes great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he puts aside his own personal privilege and intercedes on behalf of the congregation, mm-hmm. the church. He's been the role of king. He's been the role of prophet. He, this is when he earns his chops as priest. Mm-hmm. He literally, literally is standing between God and mm-hmm. human beings, pleading with one for the other. Mm-hmm. And it's not to change God's mind. Mm-hmm. God's not the one who's changed. In the process of this, this relationship, you mentioned earlier about relationship with Christ, this relationship that he has with the Lord is transforming who he, he is. is. And so now he begins to realize exactly what these people mean to him mm-hmm. and how he's he is now a full partner in the Hebrews going into the promised land mm-hmm. endeavor. Mm-hmm. He's not just a tool being used by God. He is a uh, mm-hmm. um, he's got buy-in. Mm-hmm. He's got stake in the game mm-hmm. so much so that now he's talking to God right. as if it's his idea. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the big part where the Lord's leading him in mm-hmm. this way. Uh, this work of intercession is the priestly role, and it reminds us of what Jesus does, right? This mm-hmm. is the, the Lord Jesus sits at the right hand, making intercession in the exact mm-hmm. same way, because Moses is that type of uh, type-anti-type relationship with Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of it, um, interceding for us, and so too the Holy Spirit. And mm-hmm. this work of intercession is where our prayer lives ought to be, mm-hmm. regardless of whether you are a pastor or priest. If you are a follower of Christ, then you, as then the priesthood of believers, a royal nation, a priesthood, th- in this sense, you have an, a ministry of intercession before God for other people that mm-hmm. I think we don't do enough of in I our prayers. Agree. I would agree with that. Our prayers are so often what I want, Mm -hmm. what I need, Mm -hmm. or maybe if someone is sick. But when was the last time you really, and I'm not not wanting anyone to tell me, this is is for you, the two people listening. (laughs) When was the last time you spent 30 minutes to an hour just talking to God for somebody else's spiritual Mm well-being? Not a surgery they're having, not a crisis they're going through, but you're just talking to God about Lord, these are your people. This is your person. How can I help them? Mm-hmm. Lord, I pray that they grow spiritually. All of those things, that's intercession. Mm-hmm. On God, forgive them. Mm-hmm. You say, well, you can't ask God to forgive someone else. No, but you, by doing this kind of action, you begin to identify mm-hmm. with them. 
Yeah. And that's what creates the real intimacy of spirituality. That's important. Even, you know, I had a good friend of mine text me this morning, 630 in the morning, my phone goes off. And, you know, it's not any of you guys because we, you know. <laughs> We've been known to we do chat. that. Early. We're chatty. And, but she said, I've just, you know, I've had you on my mind. I've been praying for you. She said, and every time I think about you, it's late at night or early in the morning. She said, so I just thought I'd pick up my phone and text you right quick. And she just listed out all these things that had been on her heart and that she was praying for me about. And it just, you know, that means something. And I was just so thankful for it. And I just told her, I said, you have no idea what this means to me right now. So you're exactly right. You know, and how often do we do that for other people? We do. We generally don't because we're selfish. We see yeah. prayer as the thing that is for me. But mm-hmm. this is where Moses and his, this is prayer. Yeah. And he's praying to the Lord for someone else at his own expense. Lord, right. if, even if it means, Lord, taking away from me, me something that might be good for me and myself, mm-hmm. I want good things for them. Right. That's the work of intercession. Mm-hmm. You're exactly a friend. I've got a friend who randomly sometimes will just send me a text message, and he says it like, you know, I brought you before the Father today. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I, when he, the first time he ever does, I was like, is that a good thing? And <laughs> should I be worried? <laughs> but, but no, that's just his way of saying. Grabbing your arm, <laughs> dragging you up to the. <laughs> Here he is. <laughs> your father would deal with you when he comes home. Go to the bench. <laughs> Go to the bench. Yeah. All kinds of stuff. Fishback, you've been quiet for a while. What you got thinking? I've been quiet. Yeah. No, I feel like I've been talking too much. I think Joni's been the quietest, I the have longest. So many things rattling around in my brain right now. Well, pick one. Um, so, um, something that I get from the youth a lot is why do we pray? Like if God already knows, you know, why do we pray? And, um, just emphasizing, like we pray not because we're trying to change God's mind, but because he changes us through that. Yeah. I really have come to resent the phrase prayer moves the hand of God. Right. I know what people mean when they say that, and I just don't buy it. Mm -hmm. God's hand's going to go where he wants it to go, period. Uh, I re- come fundamentally, vehemently, existentially <laughs> reject this motif of the more people I can get praying for something, the more likely God is to move from me, as if God rules by majority. Mm-hmm. If, if Too bad. I really wanted to give Jamie that, uh, that blessing, but not enough people were praying for him, <laughs> so I didn't give it to him. What kind of God are you serving? Well, that makes that makes us God because that means there's a certain level, a certain standard that if we hit that quota, then God does yeah. what, what we want Him to right. do. Quota is an excellent way. Of, mm-hmm. So you, you know, uh, someone's sick and they'll say, "I want to get as many people. I want to get this person's sick name on as many prayer lists as possible, even if it's people who've never met this person ever mm-hmm. and have no relationship with this person." But because it's the quantity, yeah. the more mm-hmm. people I get. That's not how prayer works at all. I mean, that, that's not how any of this works. What happens is, is as we... <laughs> we are, that was a little freaky in my ears. Oh, I was like, what's going on here? <laughs> what's happening? Um, I'm quietly agreeing because I really would just want to start screaming. That's right. Amen. The, what happens is, is with, and the youth, I think, intuitively know this. When we pray, just like with Moses, Moses is changed. When this is over, his relationship both with the Lord and the people is different. Mm-hmm. That is what happens in prayer. Mm-hmm. I am orienting myself mm-hmm. to the will of God. Uh, that is the key issue of prayer. And mm-hmm. God reveals that will that will to us. I remember when Dad, um, my dad had a, a congestive heart failure, and I remember going in, and he was going to have open heart surgery, and 
we all prayed for him. That was in January. Well, we prayed and prayed and prayed as you do. Well, during that, I remember God saying, like, it's going to be bonus time. And that was in January and December that same year he passed away. But I feel like that whole year was a bonus time. Mm. Like, and it was time that we realized we had to make the best use of it and appreciate what we had because you're living on bonus time. And so it wasn't that we changed God's mind, you know, Mm. it was that he changed us. Well, but in doing that, it gave you an opportunity to hear from God and, and to get that grace Mm-hmm. of what he's doing in the midst of it, mm-hmm. as opposed mm-hmm. to being so tunnel, mm-hmm. having tunnel vision of trying to get a certain result mm-hmm. out of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Your father would have lived that same amount of time anyway. Right. Yeah. What happened was is you were in tune to the Lord, and to it changed Lord's your will. relationship to the Lord and yeah. to your father. Yeah. You understood mm-hmm. what, where the, what the stakes were. Mm-hmm. That's what changed. I'm mm-hmm. not sure bonus time is the... <laughs> The right, but it did feel like that. Bonus time works. Yeah, yeah. I bon- love it. Bonus means gift. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Mm-hmm. The, other, the other thing I had rattle around in my brain is, um, um, and it comes, that the issue comes up in seeker, not seeker class, it did come up in seeker class yesterday, but in youth a lot, is why don't we just keep sinning if God's going to keep forgiving us? <laughs> and that's, I think, where the Israelites were, like, hey, like, you know, you forgave us for the car, for the car, for the calf. You for, I'm the not car? the car. I was thinking about you know Aaron and, and the Marie. car. Yeah, but, uh, you forgave us for the calf. You forgave us for this. You forgave like, like how much more grace is left there? And the answer is, there's enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ever how much is needed? There's always enough. And uh, but that doesn't mean that's again, not permission to right. yeah. As, you're ta- on, you're referring to our, our exposition of Romans 6 yesterday when Paul says, shall I go on sinning that grace may abound? Mm-hmm. That's not how, it, again, more sin, grace is good, mm-hmm. but more sin doesn't create more grace, therefore you're not doing God a favor this well, way. More, more sin only indicates you don't understand the grace in the first place. Yeah. Because it's the difference between transactional relationship with God and a transformational relationship with God. And mm-hmm. when you get grace and when you it gets you you realize the destruction that sin creates, and so you lose that appetite for it. When you're saying, oh, I can sin because there's more grace, you're, yeah, it's, it's just you're destroying it's yourself. Yeah. It's not trans. God's not keeping tallies. Yeah, the, you use the terms transformational and transactional. Bonhoeffer used the term cheap grace. Mm-hmm. When, when grace is just the kind of thing that it doesn't really cost me anything, I just get yeah. what I want, it's fine. Mm-hmm. That's cheap grace. That's scary. Scary territory. It is. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. We would really love it if you would like and share and comment this podcast, all 14,000 hours of it, (laughs) (laughs) on your favorite social media platform. Every click matters. Maybe you think of someone who really has wrestled with these issues. Maybe you might want to share it specifically, like tag them in the Facebook or the Twitter or the Instagram or however it is that Snap works. Uh, You can also visit our website at fmf.life. Lots of good stuff going on there. Sermons, um, uh, information about our church, some pictures. Maybe you listen to this and you have no idea what we look like. I'm the good looking one. Uh, We'll be back next week with more Bible talk from Under the Water Tower. See you soon. Bye, guys. Be good. I still think we should make this a (laughs) two-part. I know. We didn't even get to this verse I wanted to get to. I know. Thank you.